the fight for freedom of speech. It's racist for schools to base admission upon your ability. I take on a classic Paul Harvey monologue and more on today's Random Thoughts. Welcome to episode number 122 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we're going to be talking a little bit more about freedom of speech that we covered in the last episode with Poland stepping up. There's people joining them. I mean, not the United States, of course, but there are people that are stepping up to join in the fight for the freedom of speech. The schools are now racist for taking the best students. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with that in San Francisco and also in New York and a few other things. I did leave the house yesterday, which is always exciting in the times of COVID to go to a cardiologist appointment. And I will say maybe. This whole COVID thing is getting doctors into a different mindset, the way things are run, because there's one thing that going to the doctor was almost never before COVID, and that was efficient. There was usually one waiting room after another. You never got there and went right in. It was always wait, get there, wait, get there, wait. And the appointments always took longer than you thought they should. Not yesterday. For me, at least. Maybe I just got lucky. It's possible. But I went to the cardiologist and uh, there's an app. <laughs> I know uh, Ryan Bemrose, my co-host over on Grumpy Old Ben's, is listening to this and going, oh, gee, an app. But the group that my doctor belongs to has an app. And I read on their online portal when I was getting prepared for this appointment that, well, if you have our app, then you can just check in once you get there. Once you get to the location, your GPS, which, of course, you have to let it use your GPS. No privacy problems there. But I mean, I understand. I can then get home once I'm done with my appointment and take that app right back off the phone until I need to use it again. But I wanted to try this out just to see how this worked. So I put the app on my phone. And my wife drove me over there to it's right outside the hospital. And once we got to the grounds, the thing popped up automatically on my phone, which is like, oh, we see you're here. Would you like to check in now? So I clicked yes. While we're still in the car, didn't even get into a parking spot. Yes, I clicked. Yes, I'm here. And they're like, well, wait for your name to be called. So I said, OK, I know my other doctor. They were like, well, just wait in your car. We'll call you. But I figured, OK, I'll go in. So I went into the building went up the elevator, got into the office, told the girl at the front desk my last name, and she started asking the same questions that I did on the pre-check-in, which was also cool, being able to do that at home. Like, oh, are all of your uh, you know insurance the same? All your prescriptions the same? Everything cool. Before she could ask me like three questions, she just about had time to take my temperature with the little gun that another nurse was coming out and calling my name. So, I mean, literally, Walked into the office, 
walked right in. The nurse took me into a room, tested my blood pressure, got the EKG done. She walked out. The doctor walked in within 90 seconds, I believe. And he gave me the rundown. He did his thing and then said, okay, come back. See me in six months. Everything looks good on the EKG. Lose some weight. I mean, everybody knows under COVID, you're eating stuff you shouldn't. Probably not as active as you should be. We never used to have ice cream around. And unfortunately, start buying ice cream bars. You're like, well, you know, I can have one little ice cream bar every other day, right? Now it's a bad habit. I get it. And uh, the doctor suggested no sugar, no grain thing, which sounds very painful. But I'm going to try to ease myself into that a little bit and, and see where we go with that. I know there's a lot of people in the no agenda community on no agenda social which is the best damn social media you can get out there get off twitter get off facebook get over onto the fediverse no agenda social is a good place to do that if you need an invite you can get one at randomthoughts.com but this whole process with the cardiologist my wife was like amazed i was back in the car in like 20 minutes by the time i left the car to the time i got back to the car like 20 minutes it was a beautiful thing And uh, efficiency. I dig it. It's way better than sitting around waiting in the office, but he is in a medical building. So it's still just all weird with the amount of people, you know, everybody's masked. Everything feels very, uh, very much out of like a sci fi novel. And hopefully, with these vaccines out now, that things can start getting back to normal a little bit. So we can start worrying about more fun things like the freedom of speech. And our last episode, if you missed that, go back if you can and check that out, because Poland deserves a lot of props for standing up and saying, you know, we're going a different way with the freedom of speech, which isn't to tell you what you have to remove when it comes to speech on the Internet. But we're going to tell you what has to stay. And that is a much better way. To go about it. If it's legal speech in Poland, they said, and a social media company removes it, they will be fine. They will go after them. And I'm like, well, social media companies may just go the route of some of these grocery companies. There was a city in California that just decided that all of the grocery stores had to pay their employees $4 more an hour because it was going to be hero pay. And I appreciate the people that are working. During the pandemic, I do. But that doesn't mean that the government can tell companies what they have to do or understand the finances of the companies. In this case, at least the two Kroger stores that were in the California town, once this law came down that said you have to pay everybody $4 more an hour, hero pay, you know what Kroger did? They said, well, we're going to shut those stores and permanently they're gone. And you wonder how food deserts come about. This is it. Because the people that run governments have no idea how to run businesses, which is why our debt keeps getting higher and higher. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat in charge. Keeps going higher and higher. Joe's putting his foot on the gas. That's not going to be a good thing. But I digress. Poland stood up and said, you know, you got to let free speech. If it's legal, you have to leave it on the platforms. And I said, well, The social media companies might just go, hey, screw Poland. We don't need Poland. 
We'll just pull out of Poland. You won't be able to get your Twitter, your face bags or whatever in Poland. But then Hungary stood up and said, well, you know what? We're kind of interested in doing the same thing. And over the last week, Sweden is lending their voice, wanting to do the same thing again. This comes down to the politicians in these countries, unlike the United States, wanting the social media companies to be kept in check, wanting the citizens free speech to be protected. Something we're not getting here in the United States, something we're actually getting the opposite of because people are suggesting Joe Biden, maybe we maybe want to get a reality czar. (laughs) Yeah, that was the latest. In the New York Times, I mean, this is sad that the old gray lady, the newspaper that probably made the biggest difference in its day, is now printing garbage from morons who think that the government should have a reality czar to decide, you know, what's real and what's not. If these don't sound like Orwellian novels, you haven't read the Orwellian novels. You should go read those. And then you'll understand. But the Swedish politician, Jimmy Ackeson, and members of his party, which are the uh, populist Sweden Democrats, well, they're demanding this, saying only illegal content should be deleted from social media. Illegal threats, for example, are just as illegal as if they occur on the Internet or on the street. Suspension or removal of content with reference to crime should be subject to review by a Swedish court. Legal content must be protected in the same way that platforms are required to delete illegal content. They should have an obligation to preserve content that remains within the framework of the law and not discriminate content based on subjective values. Now, anybody that's logical and anybody that isn't an authoritative douche will want this because this basically says as long as speech is legal, you have to leave it on the platform if you're going to do business in those countries. And this is what we should be doing here in the United States rather than trying to silence the voices that you don't like. This is a very dangerous thing when you silence voices that are saying something that you don't like. We've seen this really amplified during COVID-19, where you had a bunch of people removed from social media. You had a bunch of posts removed because people dared have an opinion about various drugs like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And those were all removed until now Facebook is going, oh, wait, now the science is catching up. And those people that were saying things It turns out they might not have been wrong. I wonder how many people possibly lost their lives because social media silenced doctors who were trying to bring this information to the forefront. A lot of it here in the United States, of course, was politicized because of things the then president Donald Trump said. Now he's the office, of course, of the former president. Just like Joe was the office of the president elect. But it was all politicized. And that is not a good thing. We should have the ability to have a public square where people can say things. And I don't understand why the need 
to silence people. If somebody comes out, a doctor in this case, and says something like, this drug, ivermectin, from what I can tell, is really working well against COVID-19. Why do you need to silence that person if you believe they're wrong? Why can't you just come out and say, no, that hasn't been proven. We don't believe that's true at this point. You know, use caution in whatever you do. That would seem to make sense. That would seem to be what you would do with a population that could think for itself. Maybe we're beyond that now. I'm not sure. We may be beyond that because we may just be the population now that has to sit and be spoon fed and get universal basic income and never have to do anything except sit on our butts and let the government give us what they want to give us. They can give us whatever food they want to. They can tell us when we can leave our house, what we can do, what we can say. Oh, it'll be just a utopia when you put the fools in Washington, D.C. in charge of your daily life. And that's not what the folks in Poland want. That's not what the folks in Hungary want. That's not what the folks in Sweden want. And it shouldn't be what you want if you're in the U.K. or the United States or Australia or any of the places where you are currently listening to my voice. This is just the start of a lot of this insanity, and a lot of this goes back to the educational system, something we've harped on many a time before. But in San Francisco, they are now about to drop merit-based admissions to Lowell High School. This according to a Breitbart article, because of concerns that the testing that is used to decide whether or not people should be allowed into the school, reinforce systemic racism at the school that is a majority Asian students. The San Francisco Chronicle reported on Sunday, quote, San Francisco's elite academic public high school will no longer admit students based upon top grades and test scores. Instead, Use a random lottery system for admission. Yeah, you can no longer decide who gets into the top schools based upon their grades, based upon their test scores, based upon their work ethic as given with recommendations from teachers or whatever. No, now we just have to use a lottery because that's the only way, you know, some students can get into this top school. It makes zero sense. This goes against every bit of logic. It certainly goes against Martin Luther King Jr.'s concept that you should look and judge somebody based upon the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. This is going right on down the line where, oh, your skin color is right. Okay, you go to the front of the line. You, you, okay, so you never showed up to class and your test scores are horrible. Yeah, you know, maybe you beat up a teacher, maybe you punched one or two of them in the face, but come on, you won the lottery. Come on into this high school. No worries at all. We don't have to look at anybody's test scores. No, that's racist to look at somebody's test scores to base it upon what they have achieved, how hard they have worked. This is the problem with all of this stuff. This is where socialism's coming in. And when socialism comes, not everybody gets to be Kim and Kanye. You get to be the janitor. 
But people don't realize that. They're not going to realize that until it's too late because we don't teach history. We don't teach people about Venezuela. We don't teach people about Cuba. Here's the thing. You can still find people who have experienced these things. Talk to them. Understand their stories. Understand what it's like to live in a country where socialism takes over and totally destroys a society because that is what these people here are trying to get pushed through because we've fallen asleep and we've let them take over the educational institutions and we've elected a bunch of them into politics because we just don't give a damn to pay attention anymore and when it bites you it's gonna bite you and it's coming This is not something that you're like, hey, you know what? If we continue upon this path, it might happen in a decade. No, it's happening now. It's time to wake up. It's time to get your face out of your phone all day playing Candy Crush or doing whatever you're doing. It's time to wake up and understand the world around you and take an active participatory role. I know that's hard because it seems like work because it is paying attention is work at times understanding things takes work at times i mean you're watching this stuff like the GameStop thing you're watching this stuff like the president of the united states being banned from social media you're watching all this stuff and you're just like i don't know what's going on well maybe you should maybe you should and nobody can force feed it down you and your kids are all going to be too stupid too because the educational system is nothing but indoctrination at this point. God forbid we actually base children their acceptance into a top school based upon their merit, based upon their test scores, based upon how hard they work. Nope. That's not good enough anymore. It just has to be a lottery, so it's fair for everybody. Fair is the path to destruction. Nobody ever said life was fair. It's not, but propping up people who do the least amount of work, that is not fairness either. The concept of the United States was that all men are created equally, and everybody has the right to pursue happiness. There are no guarantees of happiness. There is no fairness. Thinking that you can give everybody an equal outcome is folly. Think about how that would go. And I want to know the Hollywood elite, you know, the people like Bruce Springsteen, who I love his music, makes millions of dollars, lives in multiple mansions. Bruce, do you realize that to make everybody equal, we got to take your house. We got to take your money. You got to live in a shack just like everybody else. You don't get any special treatment. Everybody has to be equal in all ways. And then you wonder how that's going to work because uh, it's not. Spoilers. It's not going to work. And it will never work. It's never worked in any way, shape, or form. We live in a country that I agree that there are certain people that need help, that need assistance, and that's great. That's what the safety nets are for. When you try to use the safety net on everybody, then the net's just not strong enough. It's going to break, and what you're going to be left with is a society in ruins, and it's something that is not a new concept. 
I thought it was interesting. Somebody over on No Agenda Social, I think it was Command Line Kid, who requested that I do a reading of a speech of a bit that the legendary radio broadcaster Paul Harvey did back in the day. And I remember hearing this before, and I did a little research, and it's something that goes back into the 60s. And he was continuously upgrading this through the 1990s, which was a simple concept to the speech, which was written from the viewpoint, if I was Satan, if I was the devil, this is what I would be doing in order to bring the United States to ruin. And I thought this was a very interesting concept, especially because of where we currently are in the United States of America, especially because it seems to hit home so very much today, even though these words in one way, shape or form uh, go back, like I said, into the mid 1960s. If you don't know much about Paul Harvey, he was a legendary broadcaster one of the most legendary broadcasters ever to speak into a microphone. He was born Paul Harvey Orant on September 4th, 1918. From 1951 to 2008, his program reached as many as 24 million people a week. That's huge. Way bigger audience than anybody has today. The Paul Harvey News was carried on 1,200 radio stations, 400 American Forces network stations, and in 300 newspapers. When I saw that, I'm like, do we still have 300 newspapers in the United States, even worldwide? We certainly don't have 300 of them worth their salt, that's for certain. But I thought this was an interesting concept, so we gave it a go. And here is all credit to Paul Harvey, his famous speech on if he were the devil. If I were the prince of darkness, I would want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four fifths of its population, but I would not be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The so I would set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first, and I would begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince the children that man created God instead of the other way around. I'd confide that what's bad is good, and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, who art in Washington. Then, I'd get organized. I'd educate authors on how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at wars with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each 
in its turn, was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have the mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellect but neglect to discipline emotions. I'd tell teachers to let those students run wild. And before you knew it, you'd have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing and judges promoting pornography. Soon, I would evict God from the courthouse and the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. In his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion, and I would deify science. I'd lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich? I'd convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, and that what you see on television is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public and lure you into bed with diseases for which there are no cures. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. I have to say the words of Paul Harvey hold up quite well. When you look at everything that he covered, a lot of it is like it was ripped right from the topics we have talked about here on Random Thoughts. And I think his words hold up. I mean, what would he do? Well, he would subvert the churches, he says, with a campaign of whispers. I believe that's what has gone on. I remember Glenn Beck warning about this a decade or more ago. They're going to come after the churches. And I believe they have. We were going to push science over religion. I think they have. Do whatever you please. I mean, come on. You can call yourself any gender, any sexual orientation. As long as it feels good, do it. That's still something very much along the lines of what is being pushed today. Paul Harvey in his speech says he would whisper the Bible is a myth. We're still getting that today. We're belittling that. And of course, people, when they don't have a religious base, when they don't have anything to believe in, something like this pandemic goes on and they go nuts. They don't know why it's happening. They don't know what to do. They feel like everything is useless and the world is a dark, horrible place, which is why suicides are up the way they are, which is why depression is running rampant, which is why crime in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, all over the country really is at epidemic levels. And a lot of that is because I believe of the downfall of religion overall. The whole concept of I would teach them to pray, Paul Harvey said in his speech, our father who are in Washington. Well, that's certainly how the Nancy Pelosi's and the Chuck Schumer's act like we should be treating them as the new God who can provide for everybody, who can provide your meals, who can provide your education who can tell you what to think and what you can say and when you can leave your house and what you can do. He follows that up with, then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors not to make lurid literature exciting and anything else appear dull. Peddle narcotics to whomever he could. 
There's definitely a drug problem going on, alcohol problems going on. And I know a lot of people will say that some people can handle it and they can. I won't argue that fact. I mean, Willie Nelson's a good one to point out. Willie Nelson did a lot of pot in his time. I don't think he really hurt anybody because of it. But if you're a parent and you're doing alcohol or any kind of drugs that are impairing your ability to be a parent, then you are hurting somebody. So the concept that drugs can never hurt anybody is certainly not true. Are there some people responsible enough to make sure they don't hurt anybody while doing it? Sure. And I have no problem with them, but there's a lot of people who don't have that ability. Then Paul Harvey says he would have families warring with themselves, churches warring with themselves, and nations warring with themselves. And that seems, again, quite prophetic from what we are seeing today. There's no question the media are fanning the flames, encouraging the schools to neglect disciplining emotions because emotions is all it's about today with Black Lives Matter, with protest, with resist, with riot. It's fine. Do whatever you have to do. The ends justify the means. We are emotionally crippling these children by allowing this kind of stuff to happen. And I think you do have in most major cities now drug sniffing dogs and metal detectors at the doors of many, many schools. Prisons are overflowing, but don't worry, Paul. They're releasing the dangerous criminals now because it's racist to keep them in jail. Uh, But the concept, he was absolutely right, evicting God from the courthouse to schoolhouse and the houses of Congress and within the churches itself substituting psychology for religion and deifying science well that is happening too. global warming even the pope is talking about global warming and it really really angers me i do not like this pope you can do your resist not my president thing that's fine i don't go along with that but not my pope this guy didn't elect him don't believe he's doing what's right for humanity Don't believe he's doing what is right for the Catholic religion and the Catholic faith. But Paul Harvey was absolutely right on so many of these points that I loved the concept that I should give the reading a try. And I don't think I could do as good of a job as Paul Harvey did. But most of the audio I can find of him doing it wasn't great audio. I mean, maybe the time is uh, to take. A look at this and update it even more and continue this going with even more detail based upon what's going on today. But Paul Harvey was right, I believe, that the devil would just have to keep on doing what is already being done. Because as we mentioned earlier, the first dominoes are down. We're already going downhill. This isn't something that we're worrying about coming along at some point. It's already started. And I think everybody knows once something gets started, it's way harder to stop it than it is to keep it from starting in the first place. But that's where we are. So thanks, Command Line Kid. Thanks to Blue Douche, who also chimed in on wanting to hear me take a stab at this speech. It was a very good call. That's why, like, No Agenda talks about they don't have listeners, they have producers. The same thing here. Everybody is helping to produce the show, and you do so in a variety of ways, giving ideas. One of those 
telling me things that I didn't know. That's another good thing to do. And of course, we work on the value for value model because it's also important to keep the lights on, the microphones humming, everything sounding good. And that evil money is a way to get that done. And we do have an anonymous $25 donation with the note saying, always insightful and entertaining from somebody I know well who has commented in the past that this show reminded them of listening to the great Paul Harvey. So the combination of having that donation come in, along with somebody recommending that we do a Paul Harvey monologue, it all just kind of came together. And I hope everybody did enjoy that. And if you want to take part in this value for value model, it's very easy. You go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. You click the donate button if you'd want to go that route. It's PayPal. You can do a one-time donation or you can set up a monthly donation. You can also use the QR code or Bitcoin address if you want to go that route. If you have another coin you want to use like Ethereum, something like that, reach out. We can figure that one out as well. And there is a P.O. box address if you want to go the route that our anonymous donor did. Send a check or have your bank send it. There is a P.O. box address for you to do so. And that is always the most appreciated because then nobody takes a percentage anywhere in the middle. And we do have a Patreon set up to patreon.com backslash random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts, where we don't post any extra content. It's just another way if you want to contribute to give you an opportunity to do so. No matter what, we appreciate everybody giving us their time, lending us your ear, letting us rant. It's very much appreciated. We know there's a lot of different entertainment options out there, and we appreciate the fact that you're listening to the Random Thoughts podcast. With all of that said, I think I've bloviated enough for another week. We'll be back next Wednesday to do it some more. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.